Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and on today's podcast, we're going to look at the advanced stats for the Atlanta Falcons in their week four loss to the Washington football team at home, dropping them to one and three, 34 to 30. They lost in Atlanta in the most Falcony style. I'm not going to recap the game. For those of you who are listening to this, you undoubtedly saw it for yourself. So I will spare you the, the agony of reliving that. And let's just talk about how the players did on an individual basis, because even though this was a rough game, I think there were still some bright spots overall from both the offense and you know here and there on the defense, despite the epic collapse. Uh, I'm going to start in with the uh, defense, actually. Now, let's, let's get the bad stuff out of the way for once. I usually start with the offense, but I want to get the bad stuff out of the way and talk about the, the top guys uh, for pro football focus, the bottom guys, and where some key guys landed uh, in this grading. All right, the number one defensive player, and I was actually a little bit surprised by this, was safety Eric Harris. He had, uh, in my mind, uh, an up-and-down game. PFF apparently thought he was absolutely phenomenal in coverage, in coverage, not something I was expecting. He had an 89.9 overall grade, a tackling grade of 83.1, and an 89.1 coverage grade. Those are phenomenal grades uh, from Eric Harrison. Undoubtedly had to do a lot with his pass breakups. I will say, I felt like some of that was just uh, Heineke as a quarterback, uh, you know, lofting the ball, letting it drift in the air, giving him opportunities to get to the ball. Um, obviously he also had, I think one or two opportunities where his hands were on the ball. He could have come down with an interception. Uh, I feel like those would have been game changing plays, but I guess those still count as positive plays a little bit surprised again by that score from him. Uh, number two on the list, cornerback, AJ Terrell, 70.2 overall score, a 70 coverage grade, a solid afternoon on the day for Terrell it did look like he was not facing um, their top wide receiver, Terry McLaurin, for a good bit of the game. So he was tasked with essentially their third, fourth, fifth best receiving option on the other side of the field uh, because Washington made it a point to sort of target the other corner on the other side of the field. And we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, with Terry McLaurin, who obviously had a big game against the Falcons. Uh, number three on this list, good to see him back sort of at the top of this list. Uh, linebacker Deion Jones, 69.4 overall grade. That's actually, you know, that I know we always think about these scores in the context of like a high school grade, but 69.4 is above average. It's actually close to Pro Bowl level. Um, so Deion Jones with a strong game, uh, 66 in coverage, 66.4 as a pass rusher, 65.5 in run defense. So just a solid overall game from, from the linebacker. Uh, number four or number three on the list tied uh, with Deion Jones. Uh, was Dante Fowler. And this is a guy that, again, I feel like his play recently has been much improved. Week one, 
completely invisible. Past three weeks, he has been one of our better defenders. Uh, and he's showing that again with a 69.4 overall grade. Our best run defender, I think we saw that several times. He had tackles for loss, uh, 84.7 overall grade in run defense. Uh, something that Fowler, I think, has really improved upon over his career. And he's he turned in a strong performance, uh, at least in that regard. Not much as a pass rusher, 59.5, sort of average from a pass rush standpoint. But uh, yeah, Fowler with uh, with the good grade finishes number four or tied for three, if you will, on this list. Uh, number five, defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. Not a big surprise here. 64.3 overall grade, 69 run defense, 68 in tackling. Uh, pass rush only 55.3, uh, a little bit surprising. And he, he actually had a coverage grade. I don't know that I care about what Grady scores in coverage, but uh, that is there. Uh, it is nice to see that many of our starters are finally uh, ending up at the top of this list instead of guys who are sort of rotational guys. Um, all right, let's talk about the guys at the bottom of the defense. Um, actually, I was a little bit surprised by this the, the worst name on this list because uh, at least from the eyeball test, I thought he played decently, and that is uh, safety Jalen Hawkins. Uh, he had a 28.9 overall score. His run defense was actually really good, 66.1. Um, but he apparently whiffed on some tackles. He had a dreadful 27.4 score for tackling, and his coverage was dreadful, a 29.3. Uh, those are deep in the red. I want to see better from him going forward. Uh, the next name up, um, TJ Green, the uh, cornerback. He got four snaps, so again, limited sample size here. Uh, obviously, the one where he was in the end zone where Terry McLaurin got the go-ahead touchdown uh, and what was just an absolutely ridiculous falcony play uh, where the, the quarterback made the dumbest play you can make as a quarterback, throwing blindly into the middle of the field with a high lofty ball. Uh, TJ Green probably had an opportunity to at least knock this one down or intercept it. Uh, it clearly didn't happen. And he had a 31.6 overall score for the day, 33.7 in coverage. I think it's pretty clear. From uh, the early returns, TJ Green as our fourth corner is not working out. Um, right above him, unfortunately, our second corner, who was, I think, repeatedly targeted and did match up uh, over and over against Terry McLaurin, who was his former teammate, to be clear. Uh, Fabian Moreau did play with Washington for a while. Um, Fabian Moreau, uh, 36.8 overall grade, 33.1 in coverage. Just another bad performance from him. And I had had some high hopes for him coming into the season that he would at least be a marginally decent starter. And man, he has been one of the biggest disappointments. Um, number four, Foye Lukan, linebacker, 41.1 overall grade. Um, grades in the 40, except for pass rush where he had a 61.5. This for Foye, I think was his worst game of the year. I saw him whiff on several tackles, several important tackles, uh, and I think that's why he got absolutely eviscerated by PFF for this, uh, 44.9 in the tackling. And yeah, we, we've got to have better from our Mike linebacker than what we saw on Sunday. Um, fifth on the list, linebacker Brandon Copeland, 41.9 overall grade, although strangely, a 72.0 grade in tackling. He really got hit for run defense in the pass rush and being ineffective there in his 11 total snaps. So sort of a really the bottom of this list was just awful. And I think that was the story for the Falcons. It's you had, you know, two or three guys, uh, four guys that played 
really well at the top, and then it just falls off a cliff. Um, some of the other key guys here, Daron Harmon, our starting safety, actually had our highest or second highest tackling score, 82.8 behind uh, Eric Harris. He was sort of in the middle of the pack for his overall PFF grade. Um, Avery Williams, uh, who actually got uh, 50 snaps. And of course, that happened because Isaiah Oliver did suffer the knee injury early. Avery Williams with uh, a 52.2 overall grade. Interestingly, 69.3 grade in run defense, 63 in tackling, 75.7 in the pass rush. Avery Williams, our future sack leader, uh, but his 44.2 coverage grade obviously is not going to cut it. Uh, in fact, the best coverage outside of Eric Harris did not come from a corner. It came from linebacker Stephen Means, who had a 72.8 overall grade. Let me just reemphasize that when your best pass rusher on the day is your slot corner and your best coverage guy on the day is your outside linebacker, something has gone sideways with your defense. And I think that we all saw that on Sunday. So clearly, 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 the Falcons have a ton to work on uh, where the defense is concerned. I think the story here was what we thought it might be going into this game. Washington had a fairly decent offensive line. They had some guys where we saw the potential for an opportunity, uh, particularly at right tackle. But overall, this Washington offensive line was a decent unit, and Last week, the Falcons' defense looked good when they went up against a terrible offensive line. And I think that's going to be the story for this Falcons' defense in 2021. They're asking their guys in coverage to stay in coverage for way too long because the front four just cannot consistently pressure the quarterback uh, unless they're playing a subpar offensive line. And what we saw is that all you have to have to, to really rattle the Falcons defensively is just a decent offensive line, and, and you're going to give a quarterback like Taylor Heineke all day in the pocket. And Heineke is a career backup. Uh, this guy should not be a starter in the league. I think we all agree on that. And yet we made him look like an all-pro in this game. And I think that is, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of tired of this story. I get it as Falcons fans. Uh, but this is a team that is, uh, for better or worse, in the process of rebuilding their defense. And we know that guys like Eric Harris, despite the great grade in this game, Eric Harris, Deron Harmon, um, Fabian Moreau, these are one-year rentals. These guys aren't going to be here for the long term, um, which with Moreau, that makes me happy. Um, and the reality is we're, we're biding time to get through another draft class, to get the cap situation fixed, um, but I think this game was a reminder that this defense, they're going to do okay if they can get to the passer. But right now, if they go up against a good offensive line, I, I'm just uh, whoever the quarterback is, if he has a decent offensive line and he's facing the Falcons' defense, absolutely pick him up and start him in fantasy. Like that is a given at this point. That is where this Falcons' defense is at. I think these PFS scores back it up frustrating day from the defense. Uh, thankfully, the other side of the ball, I feel like, was a, a massive improvement. I want to talk about the performance there, some key guys that, that stood out on the afternoon. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... 
We break down who will be cutting... CUT! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. We're recapping the advanced stats in the Falcons' 34-30 loss to the Washington football team in week four of the 2021 NFL season. We talked about the defense. Let's talk about the offense and the guys at the top, and including the guy at the top, the guy that I think over the first three weeks has not lived up to what we have expected from him. Well, he gave us one of his best performances of the year, uh, of the past several years, honestly. If you go back to, I think you have to go back to 2018 to find a game where he was this sharp. And of course, I'm talking about quarterback Matt Ryan. Um, 92 overall grade. And as of right now, I'm recording this before the Monday night football game. As of right now, Matt Ryan is the highest rated quarterback by PFF on the week. So not just a great performance on this team, uh, a great performance league wide, just a fantastic performance. 92.0 grade is all pro level. Um, 89.8 on the pass, uh, 71.4 on the run. I don't know how 89.8 and 71.4 adds up to a 92, but that's, you know, how PFF scoring works. Um, and I will say the eyeball test says Matt Ryan was challenging downfield more. Uh, he looked to be extremely accurate throughout the day. Uh, when you factor in the drops, uh, which PFF did, his uh, completion percentage, which was below 60%, is actually closer to 70%. Uh, when you factor in the, the numerous drops that, that you know, came from his receivers on the day. So yeah, overall, this was a very strong performance from Matt Ryan. And it gives me hope that if this Ryan can continue to show up and remember Ryan throughout his career, for whatever reason, has been a notoriously slow starter to seasons. Um, this, this has been the case even in 2016, his you know MVP season. Uh, those first couple of games, he was not as sharp, I think, as many people remember. It really wasn't until he got until you know game three, game four, where things started to click, and he really started to show that MVP form. Uh, and this is you know this is that game, hopefully, where Ryan is turning around the season. Um, you know, obviously they've got the Jets next, they've got the bye after that. Would love to see him go on a run like this, where we see this kind of performance or something like this performance week in and week out. Um, if they do, this team has a chance to win. Um, They don't have a chance to win with the Matt Ryan that started the last three games. Uh, This Matt Ryan, much better. Uh, He's going to keep us in games like this, um, despite what happens with play calling uh, from Arthur Smith, despite what happens with the drops. Um, This this is the Matt Ryan we need. Number two on this list, probably not a surprise at all, because honestly, you can look at the offense, and there were basically two guys doing their job on Sunday. It was Matt Ryan and Cordarell Patterson. Uh, in my opinion, 
Patterson deserves more snaps uh, at running back. I think he showed that in this game, a 91.5 overall grade. He was absolutely dominant in this game. The eyeball test absolutely confirms that. 90.5 passing grade, 79 as a pass blocker. Again, Patterson really holding up as a complete back, 79.0 running grade. So this is a guy who no NFL team before him has really figured out how to use him effectively. And I will say, Credit to Arthur Smith and this coaching staff for finding Patterson, bringing him in here and thinking, yeah, we, we've got a weapon here. Man, so many people sort of you know dismissed Patterson as being a, a strange pickup, uh, an unnecessary one, and he is hands down our best and most consistent offensive weapon this year. Uh, and this grade is not surprising. I think he now ranks as the number two running back by PFF's scores on the season. No surprise there. He's been phenomenal. Number three, uh, 10 snaps out of 76, so small sample size. But this could be very interesting about how this rotation plays out going forward. Running back Wayne Gallman, um, 73.9 overall score, 69.2 in pass blocking, which is very solid, and a 72.2 overall grade as a running back. Uh, Very good day on the afternoon for him. Of course, he averaged over five yards per carry. Uh, This is something I think is going to factor in uh, with Mike Davis and, and you know how the game ended with him averaging just over just under 1.1 yards per carry. Uh, but yeah, Wayne Gallman uh, was the third best offensive player of the day. Number four, right guard Chris Lindstrom. This guy has consistently been in the top five. Um, everything we hoped he would be as an offensive lineman, he has turned out to be. 70.6 overall grade. 65.1 in pass blocking, 69.1 in run blocking. Those are all good grades. Um, you know, a little bit of a dip from last week, but last week was basically like all pro level. Uh, Lindstrom, again, turning into a, just an incredible interior offensive lineman. Thank God, because the guys next to him took a little bit of a step back, but I think there's still progress there. Um, number five, honestly, I was a little bit surprised by this because I was hypercritical of him, and I get it. He caught several passes throughout the day, um, but he had some very painful drops. Um, and he had some moves where instead of running north-south, he's going horizontal. And let me tell you, that drives me, and I know it drives many of you, insane. He has got to learn to initiate contact or at least be willing to initiate contact and try to pick up those extra yards instead of trying to juke everybody or dance around them or just flat out avoiding contact. Of course, I'm talking about Calvin Ridley, uh, 70.3 overall grade, 70 as a you know in the passing game. This is the thing. Calvin Ridley is being relied on as wide receiver one. And he has had slow starts before. He actually is off to a faster start statistically than what he did in 2019, where he had a, a slow start then. So I don't think the book is closed on Ridley by any shot. I do expect him to bounce back and to have some very strong games going forward. But this is the kind of game where his numerous mistakes, I think, had a compiling impact on the outcome of this game. We talk a lot about the play calling at the end, and it deserves a ton of criticism. But I feel like, as well, when you see your top receiver avoiding contact, dropping balls, um, you know, just running sideways instead of, instead of running north-south and getting that first down – that deserves to be criticized. And, and even though he's number five on this list for the fifth best, uh, I still feel like he is a player that has to do better 
Um, if he's going to earn that second contract as a quote unquote um, uh, wide receiver one. All right, let's talk about the guys at the bottom of the list. Honestly, I felt like this kid, the one who's the worst on this list, had a decent day. I didn't think he was good, but I thought he was good enough. Um, left guard Jalen Mayfield. Now, I will say he did have two penalties, and that is obviously going to factor in. He did get beat on some stunts and twists, and that is obviously factoring in as well. 29.8 overall grade, 14.6 in the pass blocking. The thing that I noticed was it did not seem like Mayfield um, was getting beat uh, physically, at least from the standpoint of just getting overpowered. Now, I'm going to have to go back and confirm that, so don't you know, don't put that in stone. Uh, but I felt like he was at least, if he's going to get beat, he's getting beat on communication issues. Uh, twists and stunts, those are things that as the centers and the, the offensive guards get time together as they learn what to look for, they generally get better with that over time, hopefully. Um, and that doesn't concern me as much because these guys are, again, their first time playing together. This is only their fourth game together as a unit. Um, but Mayfield, bottom of the list, not happy to see that after the progress he made from uh, week two to week three. Let's hope he has a bounce back game against the Jets. If he doesn't, uh, the the Falcons could end up looking uh, at Josh Andrews, who has not been brought off of IR yet, just incidentally. He is still on IR. Uh, they can't activate him yet. Uh, they do have the opportunity this week. We'll see if Mayfield continues to get the start. Uh, underwhelming performance from him on Sunday. Next up, Hayden Hurst. Uh, and again, this is something where he got more involved in the offense. I, I felt like he had a decent day, 44.2 overall grade and just, you know, sort of a, a, a bad day for him. And this is, I'm, I'm a little confused by Hurst. I, I actually thought he had a fairly decent game. So, uh, going to go back and watch and see if I agree with PFF on this one. I'm feeling like I don't, um, third on the list, Alameda Zacchaeus. Uh, he did have a drop on the day, which was quite unfortunate, and uh, 50.6 overall grade. Number four on the worst list, Caleb McGarry, uh, 51.5 overall grade. So at least he's not the worst offensive lineman today. Uh, pretty damning praise. Uh, number five, Tajay Sharp, uh, wide receiver, 21 snaps actually in the game, 54.6 overall grade. I think this confirms what we knew, the, the Falcons' depth at key positions is just dreadful. Wide receiver is one of them. They miss Russell Gage right now. And I, I don't know that Russell Gage is a true wide receiver too. I think he's got some flaws to his game, or, and I don't think he's you know the kind of compliment that Calvin Ridley needs on the other side of the field. But he is clearly much better than Zacchaeus, than Sharp, than the guys behind him, Christian Blake. Uh, we do need to get Russell Gage back. Hopefully that ankle is healing up. Um, if he doesn't make the Jets game, obviously, I think we, we would expect to see him back after the bye. Uh, hopefully, it's not a high ankle sprain, which can be notoriously bad to recover from. All right, where did some key guys end up in this game? Uh, Kyle Pitts was number seven. Uh, had a fairly strong game, 65.7 overall score for him. Mike Davis was 11th on the list, 58.4 overall. Actually, a really good pass blocking grade, 77.9, but obviously... I think the thing that's going to stand out with Mike Davis was uh, the fact that he was not adequate as a runner on Sunday. I don't think we can blame it all on Davis. Numerous times he was met in the backfield for uh, for whatever reason. The offensive line obviously got blown up. Uh, but yeah, Mike Davis right now is clearly being outperformed by Patterson and Gallman. 
uh, Gallman, obviously, in just this game with the, the limited snaps. But yeah, Mike Davis at number 11. Uh, starting setter Matt Hennessy uh, was 12th on this list, uh, but he did have a solid pass blocking get, day with a 67.2, uh, 58.3 overall grade for him. Uh, again, a player I think that he's going to have some ups and downs. This is his first year as the starting center. Still a young guy. Hopefully he continues to grow and develop. Same with Mayfield. A uh, little bit of a setback with the offensive line. And I'll be honest, I thought they played better. Matt Ryan had more time in the pocket. He had more opportunities to challenge downfield, which I think they need to do more often. Um, and this was a game where I felt like the offensive line at least gave the Falcons the opportunities they need. They gave Matt Ryan the opportunities he needed in order to be successful. And even though these scores don't reflect it, I still feel like as a unit, it was a step forward because the offense was able to do more and they did go up against a very stout defensive line. We have to keep that in mind as well. All right, guys, that is it for the advanced stats for the uh, loss to the Washington football team. If you have questions about this, uh, any of these stats, uh, want to ask any of the specifics, uh, feel free to tweet me at FalcoholicDW. Uh, we've got updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod. And of course, our articles daily at Falcoholic.com. This is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. Talk with you next time.